At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Tonight I come to you with a pledge to change America's policy. Atrocity and terror are not political weapons. And to those who would use them, your day is over. In a speech tonight in Moscow, the president issued a direct challenge to terrorist nations the around the world. Remains, what are the risks involved in such a bold policy initiative? They hated your speech. Thanks for listening to They Called Us a Movie. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts, and be sure to check us out on Twitter and Instagram at TikTampod. That's T-C-T-A-M-Pod. You can also check us out on TikTok at They Called Us a Movie. Sending in our F-15s to protect you. She's a mix. In a war, people die. The president is up there with a gun to his head. I'll do anything to save my family. Don't ask me for something I can't give. Welcome to They Called Us a Movie, testing the strength of friendships one terrible movie at a time. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and other podcast services by searching They Called Us a Movie and find us on Twitter and Instagram at TicTamPod. That's T-C-D-A-M-Pod. We are also now a proud member of Geek Vibes Nation, and you could find them at GVNation.com. Welcome back to They Called Us a Movie. This is Anthony Delvecchi, and with me as always is Dan Aquino and Mark Meyer. Say hello, gentlemen. Hey, how's it going, guys? Hello. Before we get into this episode, we need to talk and have a serious discussion about this superpower that we wield. Um, when we choose movies or talk about events, they seem to have consequences in the real world. Yes, uh, I, we, sh- I, we should I, probably I, uh, hold the world for ransom. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we should 
we should probably figure out how to monetize this is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. If only we would use this power for good, but we're not gonna. <laughs> no. Sorry, Ukraine. <laughs> but before we get into this week's movie, gentlemen, what'd you watch this week? Okay. So real quick, I watched uh, the final episode of Peacemaker. And again, I've said it before. I'll say it again. The Rock could never. The Rock can never do what John Cena does. I'm sorry. And I, I'm sure I'll catch some flack for that. But is I, th- I thought such a good series. I'm definitely looking forward to season two if they decide to do that. I think so, they got so weird. So what you're saying is that uh, John Cena plays more than just John Cena in every movie. Correct. Yes. Got and it. he and he's in different scenarios and and different scenery. It's not just him in the jungle. <laughs> it's it's him <laughs> in a bunch of different places. Yeah. But yes, very good. Uh, then I saw The King's Man. Very good movie. Uh, it could have been better, and it was a little. It was over long. It felt as if it was two different movies. I didn't know if it was trying to be a spy movie or a World War One movie. So I, I think it got a little muddled. But still, action was very good. I I would recommend it. And finally, I watched the Texas Chainsaw Massacre on Netflix. Just came out. As did I. Yeah, I I think you and I are kind of simpatico on this. Yep. I. Uh, it had some cool death scenes. It was definitely gory enough. Mm-hmm. But I'm just, I'm so sick and tired of these villains, of these these slashers being immortal without explaining why they're immortal. Yeah. He gets I don't want to spoil too much, but he takes Leatherface takes an absolute beating in the movie. And it's almost a mild inconvenience. Yeah. For a 75-year-old man. Because <laughs> right, yeah, it's the it's the original Leatherface, right? It's not an offspring or an offshoot or whatever. Yeah, like um, let's be honest. But besides the fact that he's, I, he might let's say he's sixty five. Right. T- <laughs> Leatherface is not taking himself. It's taking good care enough of himself to live that long to to defeat heart disease, let alone <laughs> uh, Gen Z. Basically, not. his cholesterol is probably through the roof. <laughs> I can't imagine he's eating a lot of vegetables. No, right? God, no. They, it's they, you salted see the house, meats, one hundred percent, and people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you see the house they live in. They live in practical squalor. So yeah. I can't imagine he's eating a lot, eating a lot of healthy food. Yeah. But I, this this kind of led me to to um. And I, I want to bounce this off of you, Ann, because Mark, I know you're not. You, obviously, you could jump in if you feel like it, but I know you're not a horror guy. I, I'm kind of tired of horror movies still sticking to like super serious now with the new Halloween movies and uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. This one, I liked it when it was absurd in a way. Sure. And I, I would love if you're gonna do like if you're gonna do these movies, like I would love to see a new Jason movie. Where they send him back to the past. You know, go full oh. crazy. You know, yeah. like uh, so. I saw you tweeted this out to uh, Halloween is Forever, I believe, right? Yes. So it met, re- led me to an old article we did at, on the main Damie. Oh, did it because, now? Uh, there was an article we did on October 13th, which was Friday, 2017. Five for Friday, the 13th. Five ideas for new Friday the 13th films. So one of them happened to be... Give Jason access to a time machine. <laughs> <laughs> How cool would that be, right? Or like, you know, he Jason keeps coming back, and finally there's some scientists or whatever who just like, we need to get rid of him. We'll send him back to the past or whatever. 
or we'll yes. send him into a different uh, maybe they're thinking they're going to send him into the phantom zone but he winds up getting stuck in the past and now he's just in the gladiatorial arena in mm -hmm. in ancient rome or he you know he's fighting in egypt ancient egypt and he's killing pharaoh ramses <laughs> I would, I would, and it's just and it has lasting effects in our future yeah how crazy like batshit crazy would that be yeah, so, so uh sorry mark uh, go ahead mark uh, and then i'll finish i was gonna say so are you thinking this is not like one movie to one time period but it's more like blips like quantum leaps yes okay and okay go ahead uh, Ant. okay so i wrote about this twice actually because in 2014 they were talking about doing a friday the 13th television show which then I said, I did a five for Friday, five mashups that would make a Friday the 13th TV series super awesome. And I went down a bunch of way things to combine this with. So number five was Friends. Basically, he shows up in the first two minutes of the pilot, kills Ross, and then walks out and we never see him again. <laughs> <laughs> the Walking Dead, uh, Dexter, How I Met Your Mother. And Doctor Who. So Doctor Who was uh, this idea partly borrowed from the idea that the actual Friday the 13th series may involve time travel, which I guess that was a thing in 2014. What a fun adventure through time it would be if Jason Voorhees wound up being the next Doctor. Now, I've never seen Doctor Who, but I've seen Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and can only assume that traveling through time in a TARDIS is a lot like traveling through time in a phone booth. 1980s summer camps can get pretty dull for any seasoned murder vet. So when he stumbles upon a TARDIS, Jason takes the opportunity to wreak havoc on sexy co-eds all over time and space. This means he could terrorize sexy coeds from Egyptian times or on Jupiter in the future or in the 80s if he's feeling nostalgic. Mm -hmm. The possibilities to kill sexy coeds when you can time travel are literally infinite. So that if, was the first article. What if he like he goes back in time and one of the things he does is like maybe he kills John Wilkes Booth right before he assassinates Lincoln or mm -hmm. he kills Winston Churchill. And Churchill never <laughs> gets to give that famous speech, you know. Sure. Like, you could do it either way and there's just massive effects in the future and then a, a team has to go and get him or something sure uh, i i also had one more idea and then i'll, I'll pass it to you mark I, i'm sorry i don't want to take up too much time but i i thought of the idea of doing another nightmare on elm street but making it a horror mystery where we don't focus on the teenagers of elm street we focus on a detective who's trying to figure out who's killing these kids and it, it's almost like a, a noir type of movie where we we as the audience know it's freddy because we know it's a nightmare in elm street movie but no one else knows that freddy is a thing so mm -hmm. this this cop or this detective is trying to piece together who's killing these kids and it, it leads to a little bit of I just like the mystery aspect, uh, and it's just something different because it's just your typical slasher, and he he has to wait for you to go to sleep. Sure, yeah. To uh, close the gap, uh, close loop on this one. Uh, the second article, five ideas for a new Friday the Thirteenth, was Jason gets out of hell, a direct sequel to Jason goes to hell, basically uh, the 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 Divine Comedy, except with Jason. Uh, Jason becomes weaponized. You drop him into North Korea. He befriends a small boy like in the Iron Giant. And they go around and murdering all the kids that were mean to the boy before Jason came to town. <laughs> uh, Friday the 13th, completely done in first person where you follow Jason the entire time and give Jason access to a time machine. I'll get back to that. And then crossover with the Evil Dead. So mm. it's Ash versus Jason. But uh, Jason, access to a time machine. I touched upon this years ago when there was talk of a Friday the 13th television show. Jason needs a time machine. I don't care if it's TARDIS or a phone booth or a DeLorean. Jason needs to go into different time periods and kill sexy teens. 
How fun would it be to see Jason decapitate sexy teens on the Mayflower? How about he travels to the time of the pharaohs and buries his machete in sexy teen Egyptians? Possibilities are endless. I don't know if there were sexy teens on the Mayflower. <laughs> Showing too much ankle. Uh, yeah, so we've we've touched upon this a couple of times. But yeah, it's, I like it. Possibilities are endless. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Mark? What'd you watch this week? Um, so I actually went to the movie theater again. He's showing uh, this, us up. Yeah, yeah this, time, this time this time, of my choosing, um, I went and saw a movie that would help me for two podcasts. Um, I saw the uh, new Uncharted movie um, starring uh, Spider-Man and uh, Marky Mark. Um, I got to say, it's, it's a harmless action movie. Like, it's not terrible. Um, it's very much kind of like the movie we watched this week in that you know, it you can pick it apart for certain stupid things like Mark Wahlberg's acting at times. Um, Tom Holland's really good in it. Um, in 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 the ways that he he can make you root for him, sure. no matter what, no matter how the writing is. Um, in the movie, um, uh, they they also make a joke about them both being short, which I found pretty funny. Um, it, a couple of short kings. Yeah, in the movie, it's pretty good. Um, uh, and yeah, I think the. I think the thing I liked most about it um, was that they seemed to, it seemed to be the complete opposite of Resident Evil, which Welcome to Raccoon City, which I haven't seen yet, Dan, but um, the, they seemed to do the like fan service call out things without it being like a, Hey, look at that. Or, you know, uh, sort of being him fans being like Leo and once upon a time in America, like every five seconds, like Mm. it's a thing. It's a liquor. It's a hamburger, you know? Um, pointing at the screen it was like just subtle things um uh in it and like anytime they introduced characters it was just as though they were a character in the movie it was like oh here's my evil you know counterpart you know coming here and her name is and it's the full you know there wasn't any of that it was just like oh this is so and so and you know if you didn't know it was connected to a, a video game you would have Outside of the PlayStation Studios logo being in the opening, which is fucking weird. <laughs> uh, because they just showed, like, highlights. They showed, like, first thing that popped up was Aloy from Horizon. For you, for video game people that listen there. And I'm like, wait, what? What <laughs> What? What are they? Are they previewing a Horizon movie? Um, um, are they doing, like, the Marvel opening? Yeah. Yeah. Like. Thing. yeah. And it was, it was just fucking weird. Um, PlayStation Extended Universe. Yeah. But, uh... Yeah, I I recommend if you if it ever comes to streaming, um, you know, and whether or not you have an interest in the game, uh, let's go check it out. Wow, look at that showing us up. We threw yeah. down the gauntlet and he picked it up and slapped us in the he face did. with it. He showed us. <laughs> Sounds great. I won't see it. So, <laughs> <laughs> as for me, I'm watching great movies like the new Netflix Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. Um, I watched Peacemaker yeah. too, but there's really not much to talk about for a pace. I really like Peacemaker. It's a lot of fun. Um, Dan already talked about it. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I hate it less than I hated Halloween Kills. I will say that. But there are a lot of problems that I have that are similar. And I think, because Halloween is forever, the podcast that we've had Steve on a couple of times. Uh, It's a good show. You should check it out. They just did an episode on. They mentioned that it's probably trying to poke fun at like these... revival kind of movies like halloween halloween kills but it doesn't lift itself above it to to poke in order to poke fun like it doesn't earn that poking fun because it's not particularly good 
I don't know whatever happened to like victims I cared about. Whatever happened to that in movies? Because I don't like anybody in this movie. Um, so I'm sort of rooting for Leatherface the entire time, which, you know, I would just once I'd like a I'd like a character that I could root for. You know, there is the girl that for some reason is 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 thrown in here that survived a a mass shooting in order to then have this happen to her, which is kind of a weird thing to add, mm-hmm. especially because it seems like the theme is in order for you to overcome your trauma of being involved in a mass shooting you have to learn that guns can be good yeah it's not like falling off the horse and getting back on yeah right i feel like that's what they were trying to do in a roundabout way Mm. that wasn't kosher with me (laughs) it just what it's and it wasn't super necessary at all no like she could just be uh a malcontent you know lame teens like oh i hate this my sister's bringing me here like it's like they got a broken family or something like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but she hates being seven hours from the middle of anything worth being at or something like that. But yeah, I didn't like it. And but I disliked Halloween Kills more. So there you go. Not and a ringing that, endorsement. No, because I dislike Halloween Kills quite a bit. So it's not really putting that bar super high. Right. Um, so yeah that's it uh dan you mentioned you had something for us i did so i you know we've been doing this podcast for like three years now i'd say three four years 2018 we're coming up on year four year four all right so i was just thinking and again i i want you know top of the top of your head whatever comes first if you if you could if you could replace us and i'll, I'll go around the room here if you could replace the co-host with someone else for this podcast, who would you replace it with? <laughs> Joe Rogan. No, Joe Rogan. Perfect. There you go. <laughs> you heard it here first. I, I mean, <laughs> do I get a part of that hundred million dollars? Because then that's my answer. One hundred percent. I'm curious. Uh, hmm. like Kermit the Frog, maybe. Okay, I like it. <laughs> Just Muppets. So, all right, same so exact show, just Muppets. Kermit the Frog. Um, Fozzie. I, I guess gotta gotta get Fozzie in there, and I guess Grover. Uh, Grover is Sesame Street. Gonzo. Yeah, he's still a Muppet. Yeah, but I'm I'm sticking yeah. to the actual Muppets. Yeah, okay. that's my answer. I'd listen to that podcast, Mark. What what about who would you replace Ant yeah. and I with? Okay, I was gonna say, does it have to? Okay. I didn't know if the rules was just because I was going to say replace me with someone that knows horror movies a little better to make October's <laughs> more fun. It could be whoever you want, man. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Well, for you guys, I would replace me with Steve in October. There you okay. go. <laughs> you know. Um. Uh. Let's see. I don't know. I would have. Yeah. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say something on brand to piss Anthony off. Let's say. Uh. Uh. Vin Diesel and Michelle Rodriguez. And all you do is talk about we talk about family. <laughs> we we do one of those high heart radio podcasts where we rewatch Fast and Furious movies and do a podcast on them. That now apparently every TV show that was made from two thousand to two thousand from I'm sorry from like ninety five to two thousand ten has. Yeah. Mm. yeah, we'll just do that for Fast and Furious movies. I like it. Yeah, yeah, but but in all seriousness, the main thing I would do is just get somebody that would uh, just replace me for October. <laughs> That's it. Do you want... All right, fair enough. We, I think is, we have. Good, I think we have good chemistry. Is October? Is, 
Is October a punishment for you? Do you hate it? <laughs> it no, like no. I feel like I don't bring as much to it in October. <laughs> well, you bring yourself. That's all we ask of you. I'm not asking Should we replace you? you? Should we replace you with Tom for October? <laughs> That's even worse. Go the other way. <laughs> I'll be. I'll be honest. I would. I would love to see on some movies uh, the two of you have Tom on instead of Tom replacing one of you. As I, as I would bring him on for. I would. I would redo society just so we could have him react to the <laughs> stunt thing for the entire month of October. Here's what when when Anthony said, "Where are you coming from?" Tom would just say, "I didn't watch it." That would be it. that's that's the beginning and end of his review. Yeah, I like to see Tom's reaction to the shunting. Ooh, yeah. yeah, yeah, he wouldn't he wouldn't like yeah, it very we, much. You need to open up a Patreon and make that like a Patreon goal. <laughs> we do like a live reacts to society. <laughs> That'd be good. What about you, Dan? All right, so. Since I, I've had a little time to think about it, obviously, you know, this had been brewing for about a week. Uh, I would replace you guys. I would re- replace, and it's no no particular order. I would replace you with Danny Trejo and Danny DeVito, and I'd call it <laughs> Three Dans in a Podcast. <laughs> I've, I listened to that. It's a good podcast, right? Yeah. yeah. yeah I, what I, would I, you guys talk about? Would it still be the same show or? Uh, you, you no, know, I think it would be because those guys are so goddamn interesting. It would start out by being a movie podcast, mm-hmm. and then it would just—I would just defer to uh, Devito and Trejo. So, like, you, tell me your experience with this. Like, have you been in any of those kind of situations? And it would just be about them, really. Yeah, you could—you could devote a whole episode to just have Danny Vito talk about his hairdressing career, right? <laughs> getting that, into movies. So now, I was—I was torn. I, I wanted Trejo. I like Trejo. He was a—he was a lock for three Dans in a podcast. But then I was kind of torn between Danny Glover and Danny DeVito because I like them both. They're both fantastic actors. Right, but you can't really trust Danny Glover because he can't catch a cab and you'll never know when he's going to actually get a chance to record. <laughs> right, yeah, he might not be able to make it. <laughs> I was going down a list of fam- uh, famous Dans. Maybe uh, that's the show. Maybe you just bring on. So you guys are the three hosts. You bring on another famous Dan every episode, and the whole the whole show is about you guys talking about what it's like living in a world as a Dan. Yeah, and then there's some really good Dans out there, right? And you wouldn't even think about them. Dan Aykroyd, Dan Aykroyd was crazy. Dan Castellaneta. Yeah, there's a Baldwin. That's a Dan. (laughs) (laughs) Then what about now tying back into our Jason goes through time? But if I got Daniel Boone, yeah, there you go. There you go. You right? can, uh, yeah, Dan Schneider, try and trap him, <laughs> get him to admit something on tape. I mean, Danny Trejo would help with that, probably. Now, <laughs> uh, it, it's funny because if I had Danny Glover on the show and brought Daniel Boone on the show, he'd be terrified. He'd be like, "How? Why is this man with you?" Right? He's like, listen, Mr. Boone, sit down. <laughs> we we have a lot to explain here. He wouldn't be surprised about this tiny contraption with the screen on it and the microphone and all that. He'd be more surprised that I have Danny Glover working with me as an equal. Okay. <laughs> so th- this podcast has just endless opportunity right there. So yeah, I'm just saying I'm dumping you guys and finding uh, I'm doing the Danny show. Three Dan's in a podcast. Okay. And I think Sounds that's good. Yeah. It'll be nice too if it's Danny Trejo and Danny DeVito because those guys are short too, <laughs> or shorter than you are. Is Danny Trejo shorter than me? I think he's short. Really? Yeah. Oh man, but he's a fucking badass. So like that counts for yeah. something, you know? Yeah. 
He's yeah, I don't five know. six. Five six. Wow. I'd be sure, the tallest. Four ten. I'd be the tallest Dan on the podcast. <laughs> and I was, so go ahead. So I don't know if it's been brought up, but I I feel like the podcast would be more interesting if it was you, Devito, and Trejo just constantly bringing other Dans on, not replacing them. Like it's it's yeah. you three interviewing a different Dan. I think you're right. Yeah, I, I think that's the way to do it, right? So we we get Daniel Craig, we get uh, Ackroyd, Daniel Radcliffe, Daniel Radcliffe, Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah, I mean yeah. Daniel Day Lewis. I don't know if I'd like him on because I I feel like he wouldn't be as fun on the podcast. Yeah. Well, you you would have to send them. Dude. You'd have to send them some material and mm-hmm. some things to watch so that he can get method into being a good podcast guest. I wonder if do you think Daniel Day Lewis has ever watched anything that Danny DeVito or Danny Trejo have been in? Right, accidentally. I think so. Just I would say more likely Trejo than DeVito. Okay. I'm sure Daniel Day Lewis has seen uh One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest. That's okay. true. Yeah, that's a good point. I bet you you know what? I bet you Daniel Day Lewis is a huge Matilda fan. Because everybody is, because that movie's delightful. <laughs> that is a good movie. I, I, I was gonna say I, I thought you were gonna say that he was secretly a Brookheimer Batman fan. <laughs> that's his... that, and that's uh that's Tim Burton. Oh, sorry. Jesus, damn it. Hmm. <laughs> now, the 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 one can you, Dan can, can you cut that mistake out, Ant? <laughs> uh, for twenty dollars. <laughs> damn it. We're, we're going <laughs> just when I start paying rent. We're going we're, we're going up on the eleventh hour here, Mark. I don't know if he has time to to cut things out. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you one, Dan, that I would not. I I think he'd be barred from the the podcast. Is Danny Bonaduce? Yeah, I couldn't have him on there. Mm-hmm. I was thinking Danny Osmond, but close enough. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Either one. <laughs> Danny Masterson too, right? I mean, oh yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, you don't want. All right, so can, yeah. can you get recording equipment in from jail? <laughs> <laughs> right. I'd like to have Danny Aiello just so I could talk to him about that Family Guy bit where Peter <laughs> refers to his penis as Danny Aiello. <laughs> How do you feel about that, Danny Aiello? And I would always call him Danny Aiello. Oh yeah. Uh, all right. I think that's all we t- all we have to talk about about the uh, three Dan's in a podcast. Yeah. So we're gonna take a quick break, and you guys are gonna listen to some ads so we can pay those bills. We'll be back in a second. And welcome back. Now it's time to get into this week's movie. And this week is our February movie of the month. We're closing out. Oh, Dan, you did not see a Gerard Butler movie this week, huh? I didn't. Oh, uh, I, I ended. Gerarduary ends with, with a whimper. Yeah, I know. I was just going to say that. <laughs> I'm sorry, Gerard. I let you down. <laughs> so this is February movie of the month. And this week, because it, Monday was President's Day, we decided to do movies. That we have presidents in the movie. So we pitted uh, first kid versus welcome to Mooseport versus this week's winner. And I think we've gone on record multiple times saying we knew that this movie was going to win and it won in a landslide. So much so that I didn't care that I only set the poll for one day because it was <laughs> that much of a winner. So, and this was Mark's pick. So Mark, yes. why don't you introduce this week's movie? Yeah. Yeah, so this was the uh, first movie that popped in my head. It's uh, one of the uh, movies that I personally call my my fabled seven, which were the seven VHSs I had um, as a child that were mine and not the family's. Um, you know, uh, so I was like, I haven't seen this movie uh, since I stopped having a VCR. So let me uh, get back into it. Um, it was Air Force One uh, starring Harrison Ford um, as the president. Um, and a better than I remember performance from Gary Oldman, which shouldn't shock me because it's Gary Oldman. Um, but 
he yeah i was i was excited to watch this this movie i've seen it probably i would i put close to a dozen times um and there were just little parts that i had forgotten um in it that that made me chuckle when they when they pop back up again um and i think one of my favorite parts of it um is how rooted in obviously made in the 90s but how rooted in like that technology it was like you couldn't make like this movie on this script like today or even like five or six years after it because the you know all the things that cause him trouble in this movie are easily solved by current technology um you know so and you know they have a whole thing where the switchboard operator doesn't know he's the president um which was a switchboard operator um but yeah yeah it was air force one is a lot of fun um dumb as hell um very heavy on the propaganda um and way too close to a real news story this week so um guys what did you think yeah uh, dan where are you coming from with air force one yeah i've seen this movie it's got to be double digits as well i'd say because this was wow. something yeah i mean this would be something that would be on tnt a lot i feel and it, you know just watch it in the background i don't i didn't like it as much as i remember liking it when I was younger, and and maybe it's because I'm I'm just so much more sophisticated now, guys. You know, mm-hmm. my my palate is just I only crave good movies. I don't I don't know. But yeah, yeah. I I mean, it's fun. I like it. I don't love it. I think there was some. I had some issues with it. Namely, my biggest issue was probably secret agent who uh, becomes a turncoat. Was it uh, yeah. Agent Gibbs? Right. Mm-hmm. We have, I don't, unless I missed it, we have zero reason why he turns on the president. Yeah. I, I don't know what his motive was. Uh, it would have been nice for him to, you know, maybe, maybe the, the, the Russians or, uh, yeah, maybe Gary Oldman's character has something on him or something on his family. I, I, I don't know. Or, or he's just paying him. Yeah, he's paying him off or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Or, and everyone loved Harrison Ford as the president, which is total bullshit. There's never been a president who's been universally loved in the past like, 30 years. So I, I don't trust that. I would have I liked to have known what were President James Marshall's uh, like campaign strategy? What was he promising? Was, was he pro-science? Was he for canceling student loan debt? Or, you know, was he like a Bible thumper or, you know, like gutting the Environmental Protection Act? Who, who knows? <laughs> I would have liked for to... not. What's that? Yeah, he was he was for not giving a mouse a cookie. I saw. That. I hated that line. <laughs> I've never heard that before or after this movie. What happens if you give a mouse a cookie? It lasts for a glass I, of milk. I, that was actually one of the things I remember. It's a stupid line. It. I don't like it. Uh, that's <laughs> one of the issues I have, I guess. But yeah, I. Everyone. He's a universally loved president and is it because he's a veteran is it because all he does is yeah. growl i i don't know why do why does everyone like him it, i think for me where my head goes is because basically because it's harrison ford and the type of movie it is um and i'm not sure i don't think it's connected at all for some reason it just very much feels like a tom clancy movie it does you know but i don't know i don't think it is connected but i'm um, just this period uh harrison ford and this type of propaganda, um, you know, just made me feel like this was like, you know, because he's a veteran and a Medal of Honor winner, you know, um, is why everybody loves him. But 
you know, some people do hate him because, um, you know, being saying we're not going to negotiate. Right. Um, uh, can lead to some bad situations. Um, I think the most realistic thing in this movie is how um, they they treat him with reverence, but also everybody's looking to backstab him at the same time. Yeah, um, it makes no in, sense. In the White House. <laughs> They're just like, we're going to get the 25th Amendment. He's, he's incapable. I just want to go shoot down Russians or whatever. Um, you know, the, 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 um, the secretary of defense was, was saying, um, but yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I'm assuming he, it's just because he's tough on the bad guys or, you know, I guess it would be the evil Soviets at this point, still roughly. Um, you know, the Russian separatists, which again, hits way too close to home and we have to stop doing this. Um, but you yeah. don't just want to cancel the podcast now? No, no, <laughs> no. But um, yeah, yeah. I, I think that was the whole thing is just because they needed an excuse for him to be able to fight back. And, um, you know, making him a popular veteran was the easiest way to do that. Real quick, there, there's a scene. And it's, it's funny you mentioned uh, Tom Clancy because Harrison Ford does play a Tom Clancy character in, uh, plays, I think, Patriot Games. He plays Jack Ryan. Jack Ryan, yeah. yeah. But like, so there's a scene towards the end where there's like a candlelight vigil outside the the White House. Like, oh, I hope I hope the president's okay. I when's the last time? I, I you'd have to be Obama, right? So if Obama was on Air Force One and it had been hijacked, that would probably happen. But I don't know about the past two presidents. Yeah, I was oh. gonna say to be completely honest, it it stopped at Obama. I could see just about every president before that, maybe Reagan. Um being in a similar boat as the past two would have gotten some candlelight vigil. Thing. You don't think there'd be people at the White House at a candlelight oh. vigil for 45? Oh, I mean, yeah, but not in the way this uh, movie portrays it. Yeah, with their... Uh, it would be a different kind of light. It'd be... Uh, yeah. Uh, I got news for you guys. And droves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, yeah, you might be right, but I, just, I, I think it'd be so divisive, right? So there'd be a ton of people who'd be like, I hope that plane goes down. And, you know, it's that's where it kind that's of... That's what I'm kind of getting at, too. Yeah, like, it's, so maybe it's because I'm so jaded now because of our past presidents. But like, yeah, no, I don't think many people would be doing that right now. Uh, yeah, I, I, I had an issue with the, uh, with the Secret Service agent. I, I wish... It would have been cool if... Gary Oldman and his his super evil Russian looking guys like they could they they should have just worn t shirts that said evil on them because <laughs> I, I find me worse looking Russian dudes yeah right? like uh, like Peter Parker's landlord yeah that guy screams bad how do you let him <laughs> onto Air Force One uh, Ilya Baskin so they're like posing as like journalists I suppose yeah, like Russian journalists. So. Yeah. What's the plan? So like, they're they're going up. They're they're getting on Air Force One, and I guess the point is they're going to interview him on Air Force One, and then what are they? They're going to turn around and go home when it lands. Or they so, they go back to Washington apparently. But like, they got to get home somehow, right? Right. There's no clear uh, reason as to why they're allowed on. I think I think Gary. Well, I they think they were. That. I think in terms of them being journalists, they probably would have just taken a flight back from Germany or DC or wherever. Um, the legitimate journalists would have done that. But the, um, I think the, the terrorist part, we're just going to fly them into Kazakhstan 
and having well yeah i'm yeah. talking about if they were real journalists what what was yeah, what were they the going game? to do yeah yeah I, i'm assuming it would be just like any other pool reporters and just get a flight home from dc and right, that's, but that's a waste right they yeah. should like I, they should have just interviewed him while he was in russia they exactly. wouldn't have that's to... true they just needed a uh you know a ruse to get them on and then have that scene later where like they found five journalists dead so, you know think, think of it this way right so say we had an inter- interview with Harrison Ford. We would just do it over Skype or Discord or whatever. We wouldn't drive to Los Angeles, interview him, and then drive back. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or like or like Har- we go to Harrison Ford's house. He's like, ah, oh, well, I'm driving up uh, PCH to San Francisco. Get in my car. We'll do the interview there. <laughs> right. And then when we get to San Francisco... It's your responsibility to get yourself back to L.A. All right, guys. Good luck. (laughs) This is where we part. (laughs) I I don't I don't quite. Yeah, I don't quite understand what the and I can't imagine they would just let on foreign uh, foreign reporters onto Air Force One anyway, because when when they enter, there are reporters on there, but they're American reporters. Right. It feels like there's a lot of talk about this being the most secure plane, and I'm just not seeing it. No. Not yeah, it's all. it's also you got to remember it's pre nine eleven. It's true. Yeah, so, I feel like it's always got to be pretty high for Air Force One, though. Yeah, but I, I'm assuming without knowing for sure, I, I would think that the the traveling pool reporters with the president would include some international journalists. I don't know if an entire Russian news crew would be one of them, <laughs> but um, I I from the small little bit that I gathered from this, and they explained it poorly, as you guys have pointed out. Um, is that they were basically doing a report on Air Force One and the president. Okay, so, so it's like a documentary almost? Yeah, that's what I was getting at, but they didn't really point that out well. But that okay. that's the gist I got from all the times watching it. Gotcha, um, interesting. But okay. it's still, it's just like the Secret Service agent, it's a giant plot hole. Uh-huh. That it's just, it's just a way, it's just a mechanic to get the terrorists on the plane and then just show, you know, you know, to have all that stuff happen where they're like how how could it be so secure they would have to done all this stuff and you know to get on is basically like well they did now here's here's the thing with that mark right because you're right that would be cool because at one point in the in the war room uh, i think dean stockwell's character the defense secretary i think he mentions like oh it's got to be an inside job right that would have been fun Except we know 100% that it is an inside job. We see the special agent shoot other special agents and then basically give over the plane to Gary Oldman and his gang. And and, and they figure out it's an inside job real quick because the question becomes, well, you can't get weapons on the Air Force One. How did they get weapons? Right. But they are unconcerned with the fact that there's an inside job. They're on the phone with the president and no one ever says... We think there's somebody on the inside working with them. That's a great point. Be on guard. Right. Yeah, I would have shot William H. Macy immediately. Oh, I, I was so sad when he... I always get sad when he <laughs> dies when I watch this movie. I'm like, oh, I was Underutilized. Really yeah. I was really there pulling for him. Um, as for me, you guys didn't ask about what where I'm coming from with this movie. <laughs> I'm sorry, Ant. Uh, I've seen this movie once before. That's oh. it. I'm not in the... The double digits club like you guys. Uh, it's fine. It's die hard. And it's a late die hard. Mm-hmm. It's 11 years almost. No, nine years later. It's okay. Is this our first Harrison Ford movie? I think it is. Um, I think so. It's got a pretty good cast. Uh, Gary Oldman is as 
I think Dan mentioned better than I remember, or it was actually that Mark. Was Mark said, yeah. Yeah, "Yeah, better than you remembered." Yeah, he's actually not bad. The Russian accent, I was expecting it to be terrible. I don't know if it's good, but it's not a distraction. It, it's so, subdued. Yeah. Um, the CG does not not hold up. That Ooh. that end. Ooh man, that uh, that crash has no weight to it at all. And, Just... and the and the people parachuting. <laughs> that's such a silly scene <laughs> i feel like that would be like nobody's fucking doing that. <laughs> like it seems like that's their only that's their only hope but also you're just shoving people out the back of the out back of a fucking plane yeah not 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 a good idea um i also this movie ends 20 minutes later than it should after after gary oldman gets kicked off the plane that should be the end. I don't need the Russian MiGs. I don't need land in the plane uh, or crash landing the plane, I should say. It's just too much. Like it, the whole, the trailer quote of get off my plane is there's still 20 minutes left. Yeah. That's, that should be your capper. That's, that should be a, that should be yippee Kaye, motherfucker. Yeah. You know? Um, and it's not as cool as I remember it. When he says that line. Yeah. Well, again, because he constantly growls everything. But he, I forgot that he's on the, like, Gary Oldman's on top of him. Mm-hmm. Like, I want him, like, towering over Gary Oldman. He says, get off my plane, and he punches him off the plane. You know? Yeah, sure. That's what I want that scene to be. Not when he <laughs> strangles him with the parachute strap and then deploys his, his parachute. And he kicks him off. Which was just kind of silly. Yeah, yeah. I, I do like that shot of his lifeless body parachuting down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just want to see him just like holding holding uh, Gary Oldman by his lapels and just punching him in the face, and then yeah, I, get off my plane, and then boom, just like a haymaker sends him right off. That's that's essentially what he does to the agent at the end. He gives him a couple yeah. of haymakers. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have a cool line for him. He just punches him a couple times. But it's such a silly, such a bad, badly crafted scene that is. Yeah, and yeah. it's of yeah. no consequence. Again, there's there's no background of why this guy did it. Like you could assume it was money. Like yeah. that's you know. But let's say that. Like have like a, yeah. a side conversation between him and Gary Oldman. It's like you'll get your money. Something like that. What what if it was, like I said before, what if Harrison Ford canceled student loan debt and Agent <laughs> Gibbs had already paid his student loan? He's like, <laughs> like, well, what about me? I, do, do I get any money? Why did I have to pay it back? And then that's his way of turning on him. Yeah. And also, we have that whole end scene's awful. Yeah. Um, just because of the fact that if he murders the president, how is he getting on the other plane and surviving? Right. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, he yeah. died suddenly. Yeah. Oh, man, he fell out of the plane. Whoops. I guess I'm the only one that can be saved. I guess he would say, like, oh, the president sacrificed himself for me. For you? <laughs> for a special service agent or secret service agent? I don't think so, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. You're supposed to save the president. Right. It's not the other way around, yeah. man. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, the... And also, those people watching from the plane just saw one of their guys get shot and <laughs> fell out of the plane. That's true. I love in the, the, the end. So, Mark, you said he shoots the... Uh, I think he- At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. 
by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Shoots William H. Macy, right? Or no, he, mm-hmm. he shoots the, the, the paratrooper or whatever. Yep. First, and then William H. Macy jumps in front of Harrison Ford. Right. So he shoots the paratrooper, and then the, the camera just pans in on the gun, and then the reveal of the agent, who we've already known as the bad guy. The guy, yeah. <laughs> it's a stupid it reveal. It would have been more impactful if it was William H. Macy. Yeah. You know, that it, they were yeah, both in on it. Exactly. Like, we don't know who the traitor is. We know there's a traitor. We don't know who. Yeah. And then you get that reveal at the end when he shoots William H. Macy or vice versa. Yeah. So Air Force One, directed by Wolfgang Peterson from 1997, director of Das Boot, Enemy Mine, In the Line of Fire, Outbreak, The Perfect Storm, Troy, and Poseidon. Stars Harrison Ford, Gary Oldman, Glenn Close, Wendy Crewson, Liesl Matthews, Paul Guilfoyle, Xander Berkeley, William H. Macy, Dean Stockwell, Tom Everett, and Philip Baker Hall has an IMDb score of 6.5 and a Rotten Tomato score 78%. Budget $85 million. Box office $173 million domestic, $315 worldwide. Certified hit. Yeah, this this movie was the king of that guy every time they popped on screen. Yeah. Yeah, I know that guy. Yeah, the guy that the guy that gets shot in the chest and somehow still lives for another forty five minutes looks so much like my old cross the street neighbor from growing up. Yeah, Paul Guilfoyle. Yeah, yeah. He, he, I feel like he was in a lot of like presidential kind of shows or movies. <laughs> yeah, I feel like he's always a, a joint chief. Yeah, yeah. He, <laughs> primary colors. That's that's a. Uh, I guess that's a. A presidential movie. It's got flag in it, so I'm assuming it's presidential. Primary colors. That's the one with Travolta doing a bad Bill Co- Bill Clinton impression. A bad Bill Cosby. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I would watch that movie. <laughs> That'd be so great. <laughs> I, I'm not even gonna try to do a bad John Travolta Bill Cosby impersonation. Just imagine it for yourself, folks. Uh, you guys want to get into the plot? Yeah, sure. let's do it. All right. What do you got for us, Dan? gonna give a quick shout out to our good friends you know them you love them tia and Brittany over at geek vibes nation gvnation.com and their podcast top 10 with tia podcast where tia and Brittany break down their top 10 lists of random subjects go over to gvnation.com search top 10 lists you could also search uh coffee break with tia she has a few different things going on there she's a woman of many talents follow her on twitter at tc underscore stark and you could follow Brittany on Twitch when she streams at Itty Bitty Brit. Okay, great. And we are going to take a quick break. And you guys are going to listen to some messages from Friends of the Podcast. And we will be back in a second. Hey, this is Ken M. Padawan J. Coach Duffy. From the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour Podcast. Every week, the ODPH is talking sports, movies, TV, comics, and more. It's always a parlay of topics on each episode. You can find the ODPH on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and wherever you find great podcasts, such as the one you're listening to right now. Don't forget to check out OchoGuroParleyHour.com, where you can find the links to all of the ODPH social media accounts, links to the bands whose music you hear each week on the show, hashtag 607 Podcast Info, and Parlay Points, our companion block section of the show. Thanks for listening to the ODPH. Now get back to your regularly scheduled podcast. 
Welcome, travelers. Seems like you're looking for a story. Well, I got one for you. It involves adventure, friendship, and all hey, sorts hey, of... Hey, uh, Earl, why don't you tell him about that time I stole that big-ass melon? Yeah, yeah, I, I was going for more... Or you could tell him about the time I kicked your ass, Earl. I wouldn't ever tell him Do I need to get time. my ref gear on? Okay, everyone, shut up. Now come with me as I tell you a story from afar. Hey everybody, my name's David. I'm the DM for From Afar Podcast. A From Afar Podcast is all about four friends separated by distance, brought together by adventure. Hope you all stop by and give us a listen. Thanks. And welcome back. And now it's time to get into plot four, Air Force One. We open on the presidential palace in Kazakhstan as paratroopers descend on it on the cover of night. After killing a few guards and setting some demo charges on the roof, the team enters the building and just open fires on everyone they come in contact with. Until they find the president and take him hostage, escape via a helicopter that is landing on the roof. For good measure, the roof is blown as the helicopter leaves. Three weeks later in Moscow, there's a dinner celebration, the joint effort of Russia and the United States to apprehend the self-proclaimed leader of Kazakhstan, whose nuclear arsenal threatened the arrival of a new Cold War, according to everybody else. They're specifically honoring the president of the United States and his role in the operation, when the president gets up to speak, he's not in a celebratory mood as he talks about how many Radek had killed prior to the U.S. and Russia's intervention. And he vows that U.S. policy after against terrorism will change to help protect the lives of the innocent. And he gets a standing ovation for his speech. We then cut to Air Force One. Hey, that's the name of the movie. Yay! As the security team sweeps it for any bombs. Uh, and does this count as a late title card? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> And then Gary Oldman, his Russian accent, and his crew show up saying they already got checked, but reluctantly go through security by submitting their thumbprints into a computer, and it goes fine. They get clearance. As the presidential caravan heads to the airport, the press secretary approaches Gary Oldman and his crew and gives him the rundown. He's supposed to be part of a Russian press team in the president's limo. The president gets into an argument with his national security advisor over his announcement without discussing it with him. President James Marshall doesn't give two shits about doing things the political way as long as he's doing the quote-unquote right thing. He's just so idealistic. <laughs> That's why everybody loves him. Yep. It's probably why he wouldn't exist, by the way. Yeah. Uh, the press secretary gives Gary Oldman's team a tour of Air Force One as the president arrives at the airport. Now, the Gary's te- Oldman's team also getting special treatment, which is like, not really the most secure plane in the world, is it? Uh, he comes on board and starts asking his team about the Notre Dame game and keeps telling them not to spoil it. But then someone spoils it for him. Anyway. And it explains a lot to Marshall. Yeah. I'm not sure if he, he's either a Michigan or a Notre Dame fan, but someone, either way. someone mentioned Notre Dame. <laughs> yeah. It should have been that guy who, who uh, gave the, the plane over to the Russians. <laughs> he had money riding on that game to some Russian mobster. That'd be great. Uh, his family arrives and they catch him sleeping while he's watching the Notre Dame Michigan game. Everyone takes their seats as the plane gets ready to take off. Meanwhile, President Marshall's 12-year-old daughter is mad at him for not bringing her to a refugee camp. His wife tells him how proud she is of him about the speech as it reminded her of the idealist he was when he first started his career in politics. Yeah, and the fun thing, um, fact about the actress um is like the was like one of the heirs to like some billion dollar fortune in real life. Um the Pritzkers or something. Um, the actress, that, the actress that plays his the wife, daughter. his daughter, the daughter, Liesl Matthews. Yeah, that's her stage name. Leslie yeah. Ann Pritzker. 
Yeah. Yeah. So that was, I just looked it up because I'm like, oh, I got to see if this, um, you know, this actor's got any of those like uh, action, you know, action movie daughter roles in the 90s. Her family owns Hyatt as well as Royal Caribbean Cruise Lines and plenty of other things. They're worth $15 billion. I'll say I'm glad to see that she's going to make it. Yeah. She's also in a little princess and married to Ian Simmons. I don't know who that is, but lucky him. So that's the Liesl Matthews uh, corner. Let's go back to the movie. <laughs> Plane takes off and it's relatively quiet. Uh, the president has a meeting to review some movements made by Saddam Hussein with his advisors. That's, you know, Topical. six years early. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then one of the secret agents hands out some dossiers to the others and then shoots them with a silent pistol. So that's the turncoat. Then sets a smoke bomb in the aisle, which is the cue for Gary Oldman and his team to run to the front of the cabin and start passing out the cache of automatic weapons. They shoot everyone in the cabin, more or less. My favorite part of that scene is that there is, I know they have to be able able to see for the movie, but the smoke they show is obviously not enough smoke to have nobody in that plane realize that the Russian journalist just got up and ran into that room. Yeah, the, sure. everybody sees it happening, and everyone's like, oh, that, that's odd. Why are they running full sprint to the cockpit? Yeah, yeah. all the other people are saying are just like, oh, so much smoke. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> if they believe it, we'll believe it. Yep, exactly. Yeah, that's true. Pilots issue a code read to a nearby military airport, which scrambles fighter jets. Meanwhile, the Secret Service pulls the president out of the boardroom and down into the whole ship to an escape pod, which then gets deployed before the terrorists can get into it. Mm-hmm. Vice President Glenn Close lands via helicopter at the White House and gets briefed. She's told that they are currently retrieving the escape pod now. Pilots work to emergency land at Ramstein Airport as military presence awaits their arrival. Meanwhile, Gary Oldman is trying very hard to get the door open. I don't, I know his, he does have a name, but I don't remember any instance where they mention it in this movie. That's a good it's point. Ivan Korzunov, but I'm going to call him Gary Oldman throughout the entire movie. Yeah. Yeah, they, um, they don't bring up his name. Oh, I didn't realize yeah. that. I there's I this probably listed on when they finally figure out who it is, they pull up his dossier, but I don't remember them ne- mentioning who he is. I guess he's insignificant. He's no Hans Gruber, that's all I know. He, I I have written down he's a second-rate Hans Gruber. Yeah. As it lands, Oldman puts C4 in the lock and shoots the lock open. He orders the pilots to bring the plane back up, then winds up shooting both pilots when they refuse. One of Oldman's men takes the pilot seat and starts drifting Air Force One as if it's an out-of-control Winnebago, <laughs> but manages to go airborne right before crashing into the plane The plane into a military cargo plane as the military looks on. I, I had written down, that's not how planes operate. <laughs> right? You can't drift yeah. an airplane. I don't think so. But has anyone ever tried? We'd have to ask. I mean, there uh, are two more Fast and Furious movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, because the, the, I don't think the wheels are meant to turn that way. <laughs> I, and I don't, yeah, you can't turn a, a plane on a dime, unfortunately. Yeah. I'm sorry, movie. Vice President Glenn Close and a team of advisors scramble to try and figure out where they might be heading and how long the plane can stay airborne. As Oldman and his men celebrate taking the plane, then one of his men tells him that the president made it to the escape pod and is no longer on Air Force One. So Oldman freaks out. 
Vice President Close learns that the hijackers got security clearance and question whether or not there was an inside man working with them. And then Oldman has, has the First Lady and Marshall's daughter brought to him. And the First Lady tells him that her husband will not negotiate with them. And Oldman thinks otherwise because he has his wife and his daughter. Meanwhile, the rescue team tracks down the escape pod and opens it to reveal Marshall didn't get in the pod before it left. And then cut to Marshall coming out of hiding near the escape hatch, still on Air Force One. Yeah, the... Uh... Being a more keen observer of movies um, now compared to when I watched this a bunch as a kid, um, I knew immediately when that door didn't shut to the pod that, you know, he would, without seeing the movie, like, you're like, okay, that's how, you know, in real life, those people would have made sure that door shut. Yeah. And would have died in the process. But Mm -hmm. since we have to have him stay on the plane, you know, we have to make it as realistic as possible, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so the Ruskies call Vice President Close. She asks basic questions. What does he want? How are the people on board? But he gives very little answers, except for he'd like to see the USSR come back. Uh, but then he basically says he wants General Raddick released. And he'll execute one hostage every half hour until it happens. Oldman hangs up and the advisors scramble to try and figure out who was on the plane. Runner hands the Secretary of Defense a note that says the escape pod was empty. First, I think it was the Russians tricking them, but then realize that Marshall is probably still on the plane. Marshall starts skulking around the cabin. Meanwhile, the vi- the vice president, the defense secretary, starts trying to figure out what to do. By the way, before the gunshots, how didn't they hear any of that fighting? So uh, I mean, it's pretty plain. I don't know. I feel like I... it's it's louder on planes than you remember when you're not on a plane in a while. But I would assume Air Force One wouldn't be that. I don't know. I'm I'm trying <laughs> to make it sound read too much into this. <laughs> yeah. Air Force One is like it's made of like Bose technology, soundproof. Yeah, I feel like Air Force One is enormous too. So this is probably like on a remote part of the plane. But I get what you're saying. Yeah. It, you essentially, think. it's a, it's a flying fortress, isn't that what they make it out to be? Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah I, I, I could, could see that. the fight in the downstairs storage area not being heard. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure. It's a fair question. The sound alerts the other terrorists who start to scramble as Marshall starts moving about the main cabin. Two sh- two goons shoot up the bathrooms thinking he's hiding in there, but he isn't, and he winds up in the cargo hold. Vice President talks to the Russian president, who is not too keen on releasing Radek. He says if he can be assured it, that it would save the president's life, sure, but they have no proof that he's currently alive, so he won't do it. Real quick, Old Dan. Yeah. You mentioned how uh, Marshall makes his way out into the uh, the cargo uh, what did he from the cargo bay t- to where yeah like some other uh, part of the, the uh, he the went plane. from the back i think it's the back of the plane where like the bathrooms are to the cargo hold gotcha so one thing i noticed in this movie the presidential theme plays constantly anytime harrison ford shows up in a scene it's that like captain america is a captain america-esque type of theme playing the mm. triumphant and it, like it's it, i guess it's okay the first couple times you see it but just the repetitiveness of it it really wears thin and <laughs> it's it's so one note like okay yes we know we know he, he is successful we don't need the sound cue here yeah it's it's a little ham-fisted yes that's a good word for it ham-fisted yeah alden finds the body of the dead goon and the man they find who did it the defense secretary starts a plan to attack parts of Kazakhstan that remain loyal to Radek, assuming they would attempt to land the plane somewhere in one of those areas. 
first 30 minutes are up and Oldman sets up a call with the vice president. Before the call goes through, the national security advisor pleads with him to allow him to talk to the vice president because he will be able to assure that it all goes smooth. Call comes in and when Oldman realizes Radek hasn't been released yet, he executes the national security advisor immediately and then tells the first lady and her daughter to follow him. Uh, Glenn Close really upset about the national security advisor being killed. Was he kind of like the Ellis of this movie? That's how it seemed like they were trying to set him up. Yeah, right, because right. he, he kind of butt, butts into the situation, gets himself killed. Yeah. So again, just like a second-rate Ellis. Yeah. He, he's not doing cocaine, as far as we yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. And then Oldman ties them up away from the rest of the hostages and tells them that he did it because it proves how much he loves Mother Russia, or some nonsense. And then the daughter basically tells him to go fuck himself. Meanwhile, Marshall finds a phone and calls the White House, but gets stuck arguing with the switchboard operator who doesn't believe it's the president, so she starts tracing it. But in that time, the Wishmaster, who's playing a Russian goon, finds him, but the call is patched through to the VP at the same time. So the president gets taken hostage, but he talks loud enough so that the vice president hears him say that if the F-15s fire on the plane, it'll engage the plane's automatic countermeasures. The missiles would never hit the plane, but it may cause some turbulence, basically telling them exactly what to do. It's funny. He knows the inner workings of how the defense mechanisms work on the plane. Mm. Doesn't know how fax works. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that was, you know, fair, uh, I, I love the line. That was a direct order from your president. Right. To shoot right. on the plane? <laughs> So they do just that. One of the fighter pilots fires a few missiles at Air Force One and the countermeasures kick in. The missiles don't impact the plane, but it jostles the plane enough to knock the Wishmaster off his feet. And Marshall knocks the gun out of his hands and strangles him to death. Uh, Marshall then grabs the phone and talks to the vice president and tells her that they cannot release Radic. They need to focus on getting the plane on the ground. Marshall does some more skulking and one of the goons gets suspicious and starts talking to Oldman. The old man has the press secretary sent, sent up to where he has stashed the first lady and daughter. Starts talking to her over the intercom so the whole plane could hear her. Someone in the, the, the war room should have been like, oh, he basically pulled the trigger himself. He, he killed her. And then <laughs> Glenn Close was like, don't you get don't it, you man. Don't you see? Can't you read between the lines? That's what he said. Can't you read between? If he gave him up, they'd both be dead. <laughs> I'd love to hear Glenn, Co- Glenn Close read that line. This movie is missing an Al Powell. Yes, <laughs> it is. Because, I mean, Glenn Close does a fine job of being, you know, the, the second in command, sure. But we need someone who's walking him through the plane and keeping him sane, essentially, right? Kind of keeping him grounded. Like, oh, yeah. You know, he has that moment of doubt. Oh, I should have done something, you know. No one's there to tell him, no, you did the right thing, Mr. President. Yeah, they have to have the heart-to-heart. Exactly. To things start going to shit. Tell my wife. <laughs> yeah, I love her. You tell her yourself. <laughs> She's heard me say I love her a thousand times. She's never heard <laughs> me once say I'm sorry. Oh, I hate that line so much. <laughs> <laughs> Movie's a 10 out of 10, regardless. Um, but Yeah, um, I mean, it's but, yeah. the minor imperfections. <laughs> I mean, nothing. <laughs> What would that person have done? What would their backstory be? They shoot a kid too. <laughs> <laughs> Someone in the war room shot a kid. Uh, I, that's a good. The, the woman that knows about faxes. Maybe she was trying to be a secret service agent. <laughs> she shot a kid. Right, or like she she let uh you know someone get hurt. I, like a, a prior president was uh was winged. 
an assassination attempt and she froze. <laughs> or something stupid like uh she forgot she she used to be on like the the cleaning team and forgot to put out the sign that says slippery when wet. <laughs> <laughs> Someone slipped and fell down the stairs or something in the White House. <laughs> now she's now she's behind a desk pushing papers and sending faxes. Sending faxes, yeah. She's she's the fax lady. Everyone calls her the fax lady. <laughs> gotta go see Barbara. Barbara, the fax lady. Oh, okay. I remember Barbara. So old uh, they they communicate via faxes across the plate. Oh <laughs> Jesus, that'd be you, Speaking of the fax machine, so they, they go through this whole rigmarole to get her to fax the you know the, the war room what the current situation is. We see the fax go through, we don't see anybody pick up the fax. Yeah. No one picks it up, no one acknowledges it. But yeah. a couple scenes later, they comply with what the fax says. So yeah. something must have been cut there. I don't know, but it just, it, yeah, it just, it kind of happened. Yeah, because I thought it was going to be a thing where they're like, oh, they didn't see it. They didn't see it. Exactly. So only counts to 10, and sure enough, he kills the press secretary. When the people on the plane start arguing about what the Secret Service agent just allowed to happen, including an underutilized William H. Macy. Yeah, I... I don't know if you guys at this moment, or maybe it's just me, but um, for the life of me, I thought that the actress that played the press secretary was more of a character actor than she actually turned out to be when I looked her up. Mm-hmm. Um, she, yeah, but it's not like, like, I thought it was, oh, like she was in like this whole group of movies from that time period. You know, it was more, she's more TV, but I don't know. When when the whole time it was in there, I'm like, that it's going to be like somebody like this is one of their first movies or something. Oh, she was a yeah. big TV uh, personality. Yeah. She didn't uh, inspire me to look her up and really recognize her. She, uh, she definitely had that, like you said, Mark, like, oh, I know her. That, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, that's what I meant. It was like, oh, oh that's yeah. interesting. Let's see if this is a fun fact. And I looked up and it, nope, wasn't. Yeah, she didn't look uh, familiar to me. So I didn't look up, but there good go. for her, though. A lot of TV. You, 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 you got those two minutes that I don't get back. <laughs> <laughs> Uh yeah, I didn't recognize the Wishmaster though. So <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're even. Yeah, I was, I was yeah. gonna say there's a little give and take there. Yeah, and look everybody. Up. <laughs> Marshall talks through with an engineer on how to hotwire the fuel dump system and successfully starts dumping fuel. Oh, I, I hate. I recognize that scene. guy from Shawshank. Oh, that the, guy was from Shawshank Redemption. The uh, the guy walking him through it. Yeah, I, I hated this scene. It was so cringy. The, the red, white, and blue. Don't fail me, red, white, and blue. Like, geez, come on. <laughs> Such propaganda. Such propaganda. Um, this causes the goon that's been flying the plane to go down to the cargo hold with another goon to try and get Marshall and to the, reset the uh, fuel p- dump. They go down to the hold and start trading shots with Marshall and the pilot goon rewires the fuel dump to stop it from dumping and heads back upstairs. Meanwhile, Oldman gets back on the phone with the VP and demands they send a refueling plane or he'll start killing hostages at one per minute. So the VP agrees to send a fueling plane. Marshall manages to sneak up on one of the goons guarding the prison room and then takes the goon's gun and gives it to the secretary, the Secret Service guy we saw kill those people in the beginning. This was so anticlimactic. He just kind of like pops up out of nowhere. He's like, oh, now, now we're we're taking the hostages back basically mm-hmm. yeah and it this would have been the time to have him do the turn and then find out his backstory mm-hmm. but president, president and a few of the others in the plane devise a plan to move everyone into the cargo hold and to parachute them out 
They have to send a fax to the VP team to, in order to tell them to get the pilot to slow the plane down and drop the altitude. They get the fax out and their refueling team shows up and tells the plane to descend to a lower altitude per the instructions from William H. Macy. It does and they start tossing hostages off the plane <laughs> with parachutes, which to me was very silly. And once the parachute lift opens, it sends a warning to the cockpit. So one of the goons heads down to see what's going on and they realize the hostages are gone. So he goes down to the parachute hangar and blows the door open by shooting a fire extinguisher. The explosion causes the entire plane to jostle and the air pressure on the hangar goes nuts, causing people to fall out of the plane and causing the fuel arm to break, causing the fuel to spray everywhere, which then catches fire and causes the fuel plane to explode, which is super unnecessary. And Marshall catches himself at the end of the hangar, but the goon starts pushing everyone around. But William H. Macy tells him the president, so he allows Macy to bring the president to safety. Meanwhile, Philip Baker Hall shows up in Washington to try and enact the 25th Amendment. So the defense secretary tries to get the signatures necessary to enact it. Because Dean Stockwell wants to be president. (laughs) Yeah, like Mark said, everyone everyone loves this guy except for, you you know, his cabinet members. (laughs) They want him out so quickly. Like, oh, we got to get the, we got to get all the signatures and they get them. Oh, yeah. but, but we can't have that woman be president. Right. <laughs> you don't know how to handle these situations. Let me do my job. As I Gary just... Oldman, as Gary Oldman said, she would sweat through her silk blouse. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, America in 1987 wasn't ready for a woman president. Funnily enough, women in America in 2016 also not ready for the president. <laughs> well, it's it's funny how uh, Gary Oldman like it's the shocking thing. Like, yeah, that that's kind of like what a terrorist would say, I'd imagine. Especially, right? yeah, knowing Russian culture, especially with a Russian terrorist. Oh would yeah, say. He, he would definitely look down upon any yeah. woman in power. I, I would imagine, but mm-hmm. but like Glenn Close doesn't really do a good job of of rebuking him, you know. Yeah, because she does a lot of like we're we're trying our best. We're, we you have to give us more time instead of just being like, hey, fuck you, buddy. All right? They they go low, we go high. Eh, I but I I need more conviction out of her. Like she <laughs> she really is trembling at some times, and I get it because that's real life. That's exactly what anybody would be doing, man, woman, whatever. They'd probably be shitting themselves in this situation. But yeah. in my in my 1997 action movie, everyone <laughs> needs to be a badass. All right, I need her throwing jabs right back at uh, at uh, Gary Oldman. Maybe call him like a, a Ruski, you know, like a, a failed freedom fighter or whatever. I don't know. Mm-hmm. How do you make fun of Russian? Call him drunk. I guess is that the old standby? Yeah, it's like uh, it's like sort of how like Holly Gennaro. You're just nothing but a common thief. Yes. Sort of thing. Right, yeah, she has a gun pointed at her head, and she's, you know, she she's belittling gunmen. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I need. It's also what never comes up is the is the daughter, you know? That's true. She doesn't do it. Like, the, the, I think that was always, like, a thing with these movies. Like, the, the spunky kid always kind of saves the day towards the end, mm-hmm. you know? Kick a guy in the nuts or something like that. Sure, sure. But, or, you know, or just distract them long enough for yeah. the hero to get the upper hand. She don't do shit. No, she's just a pawn, really. She's mm-hmm. a reason to get uh, uh, Harrison Ford's character to do something. Yeah. So they bring the president in front of Oldman, and he threatens to shoot him for killing his men, then threatens to kill his family. Eventually, he just tells him if he calls the Russian president to release Riddick, his family will be released. I am going to say Riddick in about like a half dozen different ways. I think it's so right. One of them's got to be right. <laughs> it doesn't matter. 
Marshall winds up taking a piece of glass to try and work on his restraints, and he calls the Russian president to release Radic. Let's go with Radic for now. The defense secretary tries to convince the VP to sign the 25th Amendment move, but she won't. As Radic gets released, Oldman starts playing the audio over the loudspeaker and starts to celebrate. Then Marshall manages to break his restraints and attacks Oldman, and a gunfight ensues. Oldman takes his wife hostage and then falls down a flight of steps together. Marshall manages to shoot the last of the goons and the goon pilot. Marshall follows Ol- after Oldman, who is attempting to flee via the parachute hold, who also says that there's no one left to fly the plane. They fight. The fi- first lady gets away, and he says, get off my plane, which is a little less awesome than I remember. Yeah, it it, it was it was one of those things where um, I kept thinking it was at the, like, later in the movie with the Secret Service agent mm-hmm. um, and not Gary Oldman. So when it came here, I was like, oh... He winds up strangling Oldman with a strap and deploys his parachute. And this is probably where the movie should be over. But now we have to deal with the Marshall flying the plane. But at this moment, he has to run all the way up to the phone to let the Russian president know that Gary Oldman is now dead. So they don't have to uh, release Radic. So they shoot him and everyone's really happy about it. Why? That's not how (laughs) life works. This this would be the moment where I would this would be my ending, you know, at this moment, um, mm-hmm. you know, when because basically that president wanted that general to, to die because he was trying to overtake Russia, you know, and bring back the Soviet Union. So that guy being dead, you know, or that president had a reason to, to kill that person is why they're celebrating. But it's weird, yeah. though, because. Uh, they should have just killed him in the the raid that opens the movie. That's what I said. I have it written down. If you're going to kill him in the jail, why not just kill him at the, the compound in the beginning? Yeah. It's like, oh, you had want a... him dead. Right. He had a gun. Just plant a gun on him. You're saying the American oh, the American or Russian government, a government has never planted a gun on anybody? I, I, the Russian I, I... government knows how to make people disappear. They just do it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and they don't even explain it. It's like, yeah, this guy yeah. isn't around anymore. Yeah, I, I guess they were trying to be, you know, the reason he got shot was because he ran when they told him to freeze. Yeah. Um, it's just such a so. we- it it feels yeah. so weird. Like yeah. everybody's just, yeah, Radic's dead. It's like, well, you you had him in a Kazakhstani prison. It's like, yeah. le- like we've gotten rid of child molesters not re- <laughs> not that long ago. Yeah, you know things happen all the time in in two different countries. (laughs) Now, now, question because, like you said, when they're releasing Radic, a lot of people are cheering. Yeah, right, and even like the guard is happy about it. And then they shoot him. Why? Why would they shoot him? It makes no sense. All the people in the prison are probably loyal to him. It's probably like a political prisoner. Okay, that's fine. But the the people that are in jail. That, that makes sense, but the guards are cheering for him. But then they turn and shoot him. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's such a weird scene. Yeah, it it, it makes zero sense. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then Russian MiGs get sent to shoot down Air Force One because they're over Kazakhstan. Uh, but luckily, the vice president sends the F-15s to intercept the MiGs and they shoot them down. But Air Force One is seriously damaged. So I had a I had a good chuckle here when the F-15s or 16s or whatever they were you know, fly to get the MiGs and, and Harrison Ford goes, honey, the good guys are here. Oh, I just went, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, very propaganda-ish. Yeah. But Air Force One is severely damaged, and they have to figure out how to get everyone off the plane because it's going down. So they bring in another plane and set up a wire to shuttle people across one by one, sort of like in Cliffhanger. <laughs> but Air Force One continues to lose altitude. So Marshall starts sending people across, and he wants to go last. But then the evil Secret Service agent guy finally reveals himself as evil, even though we've known the entire time, but has done nothing with his secrecy. And shoots yeah. William H. Macy and tries to wrestle the strap away from Marshall. And and only has and the only line that shows any kind of turn is when he says, How could you do this? I'm the president, or whatever Harrison Ford says. He's like, or you know, you've been so good to me. And he goes, Well, I'll be good for the next president. I think he says, I trusted you with my life. My life. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. So the next president. president. So the next president. Wait, no, which not... comes yeah, comes to my thing that I said earlier. Like, how was he gonna be still a Secret Service agent? Yeah, you don't get to keep your job after that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, you don't you don't fail a president and then they keep you around. That's not yeah. how it works. That that's yeah. the ultimate that, that's the ultimate fuck up in your job. Right. You have one job. Protect him. Yeah, you're gonna be lucky to collect a pension after this. Oh, you're one hundred percent going to jail because there's no <laughs> logical explanation for why you escape that plane and he doesn't. William H. Macy was the traitor. You're right. <laughs> Oh, yeah, William H. Macy turned on us. Well, how did you get off? <laughs> I it, killed him because I'm a hero Secret Service agent. Right. Yeah, you mean, it, you it mean no Major sense. Caldwell. Yeah. Major right. Caldwell was the traitor. <laughs> yeah, right. It's so... It's just so like silly. with Gary Oldman, I didn't even know William H. Macy's character's name. I just, I just looked it up just now. You, oh, needed, just, you definitely needed a scene where... Uh, Special Agent Gibbs and uh, Gary Oldman's character have a conversation. You need that in this movie because why is he helping him out? Why do they care about each other? What's their connection? We need that Mm -hmm. in this movie. Yeah, makes no sense. Yeah. Yeah, and you can even, the excuse you can make in the movie is when they think it's a Secret Service agent below deck, he pulls him out of the hostage room Mm -hmm. to like have a conversation with them, you know, at gunpoint. Right. Like, what, like, I thought you had all your guys taken care of. I, yeah, it's not one of my guys. I don't know what's going on, blah, blah, blah. They're all accounted for. Like, oh, then who the fuck is it, you know? Yeah, that would have been the time to have them separate, but to get them out of the hostage room, you know? Yeah, you just, right. It just, yeah, they could have done so much more with just that point, and they could have eliminated a lot of the short, tiny scenes that didn't need to be done, like him figuring out how to dump the fuel from the plane by looking over at the carton of milk slowly spilling in the fridge. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, shoots William H. Macy, uh, then they start beating the shit out of each other, um, but Marshall gets the best of him, and he gets out the last second as the wire between the two planes break, and the evil dude is stuck riding the Air Force One into the water with spectacular CGI. (laughs) Yeah, it's bad. It doesn't hold up very well. Top of the line. And everyone rejoices, and the vice president rips up the call to remove Marshall from power, and that's it. That is the end of Air Force well, One. Well, you forgot the you you forgot the uh, the big uh, stamp at the end of the movie is that that plane is now known as Air Force One. It changed yeah. call signs. It changed call signs. Yeah, I remember that from when my dad mentioned it when we watched this the one time I've seen this. Yeah. yeah. Was it any time the president's on the plane that's automatically Air Force One? Yep. Nice yeah. piece of trivia, I suppose. Uh, that's it. That's that's this movie. That's Air Force One. It's fun. It's a fun '90s movie, but 
Yeah, I, I, you could I just think, watch Die Hard. <laughs> yeah, I think even I think even in a movie that we sort of liked uh, and maybe even close to love, we still found like a way to make it better, which is what I love about this podcast. You, yeah. you know what you do, honestly, Ant? Watch Die Hard Two because it has airplanes in it. That's true. If you yeah, love airplanes, that. Die Hard Two's got airplanes. Yeah, one of them even crashes. You know what's got airplanes in it? Airplane. Airplane does have airplanes in it. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. And, uh, but like, no, there's no terrorists in that. I think uh, that's Airplane 2. That's Airplane 2, right? Yeah. Is it Sonny Bono? Sonny Bono Sonny... is. He has a bomb. <laughs> and they, they're flying to the moon, I think? I don't remember. I don't remember that either. But, but Airplane 2 also, also has airplanes. It does. In Yeah, it's one of the main factors of it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought... Again, it's a fun movie. I liked it. I didn't love it. Uh, missing a few key scenes, definitely with why. To me, again, I need to know why everyone loves this guy. Why does everyone love this president? I need to know. It's not but, not just because he's good looking. But so you're only seeing be... you're only seeing the people in a, around him. Maybe sure. there is. Maybe his approval rating is like sub fifty. Maybe he's got like a thirty eight percent approval rating it's got too much of a loose cannon for me in 1997 right and are you saying that the this whole movie was a false flag operation to get his approval rating up it's not impossible Uh, yeah well what was his voting demographic like who voted for him more you know we we don't know but we we can't vote we can't vote him out now he just survived the terrorist attack yeah Mm -hmm. does he get reelected? that could have been the ending It, it could have been you know cutting to uh, his second term in the Oval Office. Why not? You know, yeah. I, I think I, I would like to have known a little bit about him. I would have liked to have known why the Secret Service agent and Gary Oldman are in cahoots. I would have liked to have not known which Secret Service agent or who re- uh, betrayed uh, the president in this movie. Keep it a secret until the end. It leaves. It gives you a little bit more of that dramatic effect. We don't know, but we know someone did it. Uh, or what what if the movie ends we cut to like two years later or something like that now he's reelected. Mm-hmm. he's sitting in the oval office and he's like and one of his advisors comes in and it's like uh mr president the vice president's here to talk to you. oh send him in it's like oh send him in it's not going close this time okay and who comes through the door but gary oldman and they <laughs> share a wink <laughs> So, wait, are you saying, hold on, I need this to be crystal clear here. Are you saying that Gary Oldman and... It was all set up. It was, they were in cahoots together. Yep. That's phenomenal. Yeah, you have to follow the money, Dan. Yeah. Man, so is is it's all a front for Harrison Ford to say we're going to go after the bad guys. He's really uh, bankrolling the bad guys. As Mark said, it was just an operation to get him reelected, oh, and to and the Russians were in on it because they wanted that general killed. So this was an excuse to kill that general. There you mm-hmm. go. So and now, now they have a plant in American government. They have the vice president. It's fucking wild. It goes all the way to the top. Mm-hmm. And now that now we have a new Axis power. We we America joins the Axis. Oh man, <laughs> this is like some real men in the high tower type shit. Yep, I like it. Candidate. All right, yeah, that's gonna do it. That's Air Force Two. <laughs> Air Force Two. Yeah. <laughs> Air Force Two. Right, right? because isn't we... Air Force Two the vice president's? Uh... So is yes, that what, what goes is. on now? Glenn Close needs to retake the presidency. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and literally, Air Force Two is the vice president's brain, and I also think the sequel to this movie. 
Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so yeah. it's oh, okay. So real quick, we find out that there's the mole. He goes to kill Glenn Close. She escapes on Air Force Two. Now they're chasing her on Air Force One. So now it's <laughs> now it's a dogfight between Air Force One and Air Force Two somehow. <laughs> I like it. So yeah, it's these two flying fortresses just going at it, firing countermeasures at each other. Just throwing men at each other. <laughs> they just jump from one to another. So, all right, so this is taking place now, we'll say, right? Oh, so no, it would take place in 1999, right? Whenever uh, 2000, I guess, was the next election. Okay, so now we need, but it, it, it's with today's actors. So you, you got to get like Scott Eastwood is in on this. Mm-hmm. I think he's protecting Glenn Close's character. Uh, gotcha. Yeah, I think he's. I think he's a big part of it. Uh, I, who else would you get? Tom Holland. He's in everything. Tom. I think Tom Holland would would be. Yeah, I think he'd be pretty good. Would he be Glenn Close's kid? No, he'd be Secret Service agent first day on the job. Oh, I like it. I uh, like it. Yeah. And is Scott is uh, um, Scott Eastwood? Is he kind of the veteran there, showing him yeah. around a little bit? Uh, like, relax, rookie. Nothing goes on really like, with the the vice president. It's a cakewalk. Yeah. And all of a sudden they're in a dogfight. <laughs> yeah. I like love it. it. Yeah. Pretty good. Coming in twenty twenty four. Air Force Two. Air Force Two. Uh, so that's going to wrap this up for this week. Uh, we're going to be back next week with uh, another movie. That's a special one. Probably not. Not really. They're all special. <laughs> Everything we do They're is all special. special. But well, it's going it to be, be It won't be Gerarduary anymore. So It'll it's... be the end of Gerarduary. Yeah, it'll be our first episode into March. So we got a bunch of movies coming up this week. We got some guests lined up for next month. So be on the lookout for that. We've got our special St. Patrick's Day episode, which I did vow that I would never do another Leprechaun movie. And we're probably going to already renege on that. So be on the lookout for that. promises already, Ant. Yeah. Uh, We are changing it up a bit. I think I might have said that I'll never do a Leprechaun sequel. And that'll be different. Um, But that's going to wrap it up this week uh thank you so much for listening and listen for where you could find us on all the socials and all that kind of good stuff um it's gonna wrap us up the director of uh, the director of air force one is wolfgang peterson so for dan aquino and mark myers this is anthony lavecchio telling wolfgang peterson well you certainly made a movie didn't you Thanks for listening to They Called Us a Movie. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to check us out on Twitter and Instagram at TicTamPod. That's T-C-T-A-M-Pod. You can also check us out on TikTok at They Called Us a Movie.
At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.